My message today is entitled, It's Time Again to Pray. It's Time Again to Pray. Luke chapter 1. If you'll turn there, please, in your Bibles. Luke chapter 1. It's time again to pray. Father, I thank you with all of my heart. God, for the leading of your Holy Spirit, the anointing of your Spirit, the mercy, God, of your kingdom that takes us in our frailty and you empower us with your Holy Spirit and you give us incredible promises that by these we might become partakers of the new nature that is our promise in Christ Jesus. So I thank you for the anointing to speak this word. I thank you, God, for the anointing in every heart to be able to hear it. Lord, move us from knowledge to action. We ask this in your precious name. Amen. It's time again to pray. Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 46. This is Mary, the mother of Jesus. When she visited the home of Zacharias and Elizabeth, And uh, she began to speak, to prophesy, actually. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham And to his seed forever. When sin entered the human race. When Satan came down into the garden of Eden. With a livid hatred in his heart. For a man and a woman. Created in the image of God. A despising. May I put it this way in his heart. For God himself. A despising that. Translated itself. Into trying to bring ruin into that which was the closest to the heart of God, which from the dust had been created in the image of God, breathed upon and given life by God. When Satan came down into the garden of Eden, he sowed something into the human race that was going to bring the humankind into its own destruction. The thought, the theology as, as it is, that without God and without the borders of God and without heeding the word of God, We can become as God is in ourselves. That's the sin that was sown. That was the nature of the devil himself that was sown into humanity. We don't need God. We can do this our own way. We can come up with our own standards of right and wrong and somehow through it all still reach some kind of a utopian end. That is the sin of humankind. Jesus, or God said, Jesus of course was there because God cannot be separated from himself is eternally existent in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. But here's what God said to Satan in Genesis 3, 14 and 15. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. 
On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So here's the very first time in the Bible that we see the redemptive plan of God. God was not, if you study scripture, you begin to understand God was not caught by surprise in the Garden of Eden. He foreknew what was going to happen. For the Bible tells us that before the foundation of the world, Christ was ordained to go to the cross. He knew that humankind, it was, that humankind would be created in the image of God and would subsequently fail and would have to be redeemed. I don't fully understand all of that, but what does give me somewhat of an understanding is one verse of scripture. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God was telling Satan, you're, you're going to live to conquer and devour those created from the dust. Those who are created in the image of God all the days of your life. That's what you're going to do. You're going to crawl on your belly and you're going to eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity. That means an act of opposition between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. In other words, I'm going to raise up from the seed of a woman, he who will actively oppose you and defeat you. This was a prophecy that God gave to the devil in the Garden of Eden. I'm going to raise up an active opposition to you. He, from the seed of the woman, somebody that he refers to as he, we know it's Christ today. You will bruise his heel. Now the original Hebrews uses the word strike. As a serpent, you will strike his heel. He will be on a journey. You will strike him. It will be virtually a fatal strike as the bite of a snake is. You will, you will strike his heel. And you will stop his journey. You will cause him pain. You will even cause him death. And you will bruise his heel. But he will in turn bruise your head. It's amazing. He, he will come back as it is. We know the story today. He will be raised from the dead. And he will tread upon your imagination. That you have the right to control the creation of God. That humankind is now fully within your grasp. And you have the right to dictate it's coming in and it's going out. And you have the right to captivate those who have been created in the image of God for not just time, but for all of eternity. Lest you should exalt yourself, God was saying to the devil himself, I have a plan. Satan, so blinded by his ambition, so blinded by his hatred of God, couldn't really fully understand what this was saying. But he knew there was a plan to defeat him. He knew it was going to come through a seed that would be born of a woman. This is why we see people who are demonically inspired or led to the devil always going after the children. The devil has always gone after the children. When the people of God were in captivity in Egypt, the very first one of the signs that the devil was behind their capitalism, he started casting their firstborn into the river. You remember Herod when he realized that maybe this promise now that's it's it's satanic it's it's move it's the devil himself moving through humankind that he has control over and we see Herod himself going into Bethlehem and killing all the children under 2 years of age to try to stop this plan from happening 
Not only will he bruise your head, but we know through the testimony of scripture that he would have a seed. He would also have a people born into the kingdom of God because of him who would have access to the throne of God and by petition or prayer would push back the thought of the devil that he could possess fully the earth, its direction, its future. We are that people by the grace of God that have access to the throne of God. I hope you realize the power that God has put into the hands of you and I as believers in Jesus Christ. We are not just bystanders watching the devil destroy a whole generation. We have access to the throne of God. It's not in might, it's not in power that this battle is going to be won, but it is won by the Spirit of God. It is won by the strength of God. It is won by the power of God, the plan of God. And part of that plan is you and I approaching his throne and petitioning him to move his hand on behalf of those who have nobody to call out for them in the earth. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10 verses 4 and 5, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, not natural, not made by human hands, not enacted by human strategy. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Would be to God we could understand our position in the church of Jesus Christ again. Would be to God we would find again the source of our power. Would be to God that we would have the courage to put away all of our powerless programs and powerless strategies and powerless services. And we would go back into the prayer closet where the true source of our power really is. We have been invited by God to come before his throne to find grace to help in time of need. And at that throne, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God. Pulling down ideas that the devil sows in society. Pulling down this demonic onslaught that wants to call evil good and good evil that wants to marginalize and oppress and captivate the testimony of God from generation to generation. But I remind you that all throughout biblical history, when there has been somebody who called out to God, a marvelous deliverance came into those generations, those towns, those cities, those societies. Paul says to the church of Ephesus, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That you may fully understand, Paul is saying, who he is, what he has done, and what our part is in the overthrow of the evil that wants to swallow every generation. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, 
far above all principality, power, and might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he's put all things where? Under his feet. Remember the prophecy in the Garden of Eden. He's put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. In Christ, captivity was taken captive. A victory was won over the devil himself. And a way to freedom was made. And not only the deceit of the the woman, Christ himself crushed this head of the devil as it is, but he has a church in the earth that he gave power to. He sits at the right hand of God with all power, all dominion, all authority over every name that is named, not only now, but in the ages to come. He is the head and we are his body upon the earth. We are invited into the throne of God and there's an exceeding great power that is available to the church of Jesus Christ. Not in human effort, not in human strategy, not in painting signs and picketing in our streets. Do you understand me? The power of the church of Jesus Christ is found in the prayer meeting and nowhere else. That's where the power of God is. Listen to what Mary prophesied. He, being God, has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones. And the rich, those who feel that by their own strategies, their own resources, their own ingenuity, can go out and conquer, he sent them away empty. Scattered, put down, sent away. This is the inheritance of the enemies of God. When the church begins to pray, when we rediscover again who we are, when we begin to realize that we are not relegated to the sidelines of history while this march of hell goes through our streets, threatening to devour everything in its path and destroy everything that we know is true and godly and good. We're not relegated to the sidelines. We have much more power than they do. Do you understand that? But our power, yes, thank God for those who maybe exercise some initiative in the political arena, in the civic arena, in government arenas. Thank God for all of that. But the true source of our power is in prayer. It always has been. It always will be. I want to suggest it's time again to pray. There's incredible power when God's people begin to pray. You see examples of this all throughout Scripture. In 2 Kings chapter 6, we see an enemy of the people of God attempting to conquer a city. When we pray, we have power to bring the enemies of God when they attempt to conquer our cities to an awareness of God's power and to a moment of conscience. The king of Syria surrounded a city where the people of God were. Suddenly, in the morning, there was a mighty army to the point where a servant of the man of God, Elisha, got up and looked over the wall of the city and said, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? We don't have the resources inside the city to fight with this. 
There's more of them than there are of us, and they're mightier in the natural than we are. And that's always the initial response of many. Oh God, what are we going to do? There seems to be such an organized assault against godliness in this generation. So what power do we have in contrast to this which comes against us? It was going to be one praying man in that city, just one praying man that was going to make the difference. Just one. Just one man who knew the power of God. Just one man who had spiritual vision was going to make the difference and secure a victory that can't be won in the natural. It can only be won by God. Elisha first prayed and he said, Lord, I pray open his eyes that he may see. Oh God, would you give vision back to your church again? Would you give vision back to your people to understand that it's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit? Oh God, would you help us to see again Christ in absolute victory at the right hand of God with all power, all dominion, all authority? Would you, would you help your people to see again? That we're not constantly just looking in the natural at our resources, their resources, our strength, their strength. God, would you deliver us from this kind of spiritual blindness and open our eyes to what is really going on around us? Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. When the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people, I pray, with blindness. In other words, bring these enemies of God. Confuse them. Let them not see or be able to obtain their objectives. Take away their vision. Take away their unity. Take away their strength. Smite them with blindness. Don't let them accomplish their purpose. We can pray that again in this generation. Do you understand? Lord God, let not the enemies of righteousness go forward any farther. Let their agenda drift away from them. Let them not see. Take away, Lord, what their objective is. And the Lord reached out and struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. It didn't mean they couldn't naturally see. It just meant they weren't seeing what they had seen before. And Elisha said to them, this is not the way, nor is this the city Follow me and I'll bring you to the men whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. And so it was when they came to Samaria, that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw, and now they were inside Samaria. They were brought by the power of prayer to an awareness of God's power and to a moment of conscience. This is what we need to pray for in this generation. We're not praying for harm to come to any person. That is not the way of God. We're saying, God, blind the godless to what their objective is and open their eyes to the fact that they have already been taken captive by powers of darkness and they are in a place where their conscience needs to be opened again to understand who they are and what they're doing. What we're talking about is a spiritual awakening in a nation. We're talking about a sudden awareness that can come into the heart of any society, any town, any city, any block, any borough, any place to anybody. Just a sudden awareness of sin, 
a sudden awareness of what am I doing? A snap of the fingers as it is. What have I been pursuing? What is in my heart? Why am I suddenly thinking about God? Why is it suddenly occurring to me that what I'm doing might be wrong and there's a right way to go? It's called spiritual awakening. This is what you and I need to pray for now in our generation. God sent an awakening. God sent an awakening into the nation. God show this country what we are becoming. Show the people what we have embraced. Help them, oh God, to understand who is behind this evil agenda. And professing freedom, let them know that they're already captured. Let them know there's a power that is greater than the power that has embraced their hearts and embraced their minds and is leading them on this hell-inspired journey. God help the people. When is the last time you prayed that way? When's the last time you were in a prayer meeting with your friends and instead of praying for the destruction of the enemies of God, you said, God, have mercy on them and open their eyes, blind their eyes to their objective, but open their eyes to what they are and where they're going. And God, this is exactly what Elisha did. He fed them and sent them home. And the scripture says they came no more into that part of Israel. They didn't come back because they had a moment of conscience and they began to realize there's a power greater than us. There's a power that only emanates and only comes from God. When we begin to pray, we have power to free those who are captivated by deceptive and powerless religion. One of the things that the devil will do to captivate a generation, he will offer an alternative to Christ. And it's called religion. In the Garden of Eden, when God came down after Satan had sown his nature into humankind and God came down into the Garden of Eden, he encountered Adam and Eve covered in fig leaves. And this is exactly what happens when darkness comes into a society. They will attempt in human strength to cover themselves, to cover their shame, to cover their failure, to cover their sin. They will claim that you remember the sin nature of humankind is to be as God is. And so they attempt to cover themselves with human effort when only God can forgive sin. Only God can give a covering. Only God can produce fruit from a life that is yielded to him. And so as Jesus walks up to Jerusalem, he sees a fig tree. The fig tree gives an appearance of fruitfulness. And as he walks up to the fig tree, in my mind, I really feel that he's revisiting that moment in the garden when he walked up to Adam. Adam has imbibed this lie of the devil that in himself he can become as God is. And so he goes up to the fig tree and it's only a disguise. This, this covering is only a disguise. There's no fruit in it. And he curses the fig tree and says, no man eat fruit of you from this day and forever. The next day, as they are entering again into Jerusalem, one of the disciples, Peter, he says, look, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And it was at this point that Jesus said to them, have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, now the, the only mountain in the whole vicinity was Jerusalem. You had to walk up to go into Jerusalem. And Jerusalem had crafted this fig tree religion, may I call it that, self-made, man-made coverings of human effort, fruitless, haters of God in the long run, 
a false covering, a false relationship with God, offering no life, bearing no fruit, and having no power. Now he says to his disciples, have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatsoever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you will receive them and you will have them. Now, we take those verses and we, we use it for all kinds of things today. But in reality, he's talking about casting away this false covering that the devil offers humanity. To, to tell them you're, you're back in right relationship with God. When in reality, they're not in right relationship with God. We have power in prayer to set free those who are captivated by the deceptive power of religion. We have power in prayer. Power in New York City. Power to say, God, fill every church with every name on the door. We don't care what name's on the door. Invade that place, oh God, with life and with truth and remove the deceptive covering of religion that offers no eternal life. It offers no power. It has nothing but deception in it. God Almighty, God Almighty. We pray that very often on Tuesday night. Churches all over the city, invade them with the power of your Holy Spirit. God, set the people free from that which has captivated them. That which is generated by human effort. That which in regard, folks, I know this is a strong statement, but much of it agrees with the devil. And you could say, well, how can you possibly say that? They killed the Son of God when he came to them. That's why I can say it. They despised the truth that challenged their spiritual bankruptcy. They were infuriated that even the Son of God would say this fig leaf religion that you've created and covered yourself with is worthless. It bears no fruit. You are within full of dead men's bones. And when they heard it, they plotted to kill him. That's what false religion will always do. When we pray, we have power to bring those who want to serve God out of captivity. This is what we're praying much for on Tuesday night. Many, many of God's people are coming in and they want to serve God. They want to serve him with all of their heart, but they themselves have been taken captive by some of the forces of this world. In Acts chapter 12, the apostle Peter was arrested. He was put in prison and he was delivered to four squads of soldiers to keep him. And they intended to bring him out before the people after Passover. And so the authorities that existed at that time were saying, we have the power. We have the power to corral the church. We have the power to bring the church into submission to our will. We have the power to imprison the people of God if we think that will suit our purposes. And we, the people, are going to judge those who claim that our religion is faulty, that our society is off track. We're going to bring them out before the people. But it says in chapter 12 of Acts, verse 5, Peter was kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Constant prayer. They prayed, God, bring your servant out of captivity. Set him free. Now they prayed, and as they were praying, the scripture tells us in Acts chapter 12 that miracles began to happen. A whole other realm 
that we are called to fight in. Remember, casting down imaginations, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty. God opened the eyes of his servants that they may see. Blind those that are given to evil, to their objectives. You see it all happening. Everything I've been talking about happens in this one passage of scripture. Peter is bound between two guards, bound with two chains. And the guards were before the door, keeping the prison. The angel of the Lord stood by him and a light shone in the prison. And he raised him up saying, arise quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. The angel said, gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. Put on your garments and follow me. And he went out and followed him. And when they were past the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street and immediately the angel departed from him. Phenomenal miracles. Everything that I've spoken about this morning happens in this passage of scripture. Captivity is taken captive. The soldiers, a blindness to their objective comes upon them. I have no doubt they're wide awake. They don't even see Peter and the angel go by. They don't even see it. They don't even hear it. When they come to the city, the gate opens of its own accord. Do you understand? God is in control of everything. He's in charge of everything. There is nothing man-made or devil-inspired that can stop him. Nothing in this society can stop the hand of God. Nothing. As Mary said, I'm going to say it again. He has shown his strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He's put down the mighty from their thrones. And those who travel by their own resource, he sent them away empty. When Peter came to the door where many were praying, again in chapter 12, verse 12, and he knocked on the door. And Peter continued knocking, verse 16. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. They were astonished. But motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. I think it's time to get astonished again, don't you? I think it's time to let God be God and let him do what he wants to do and let him do it his way. I think it's time for you and I to believe God, the people we're praying for. Let us be astonished again as they were in their generation. That means they, they didn't fully expect God to answer the way he did. They probably were formulating ways that it was going to happen in their minds. And when he actually shows up at the door, they're astonished. But we ought not to be. They didn't have necessarily the testimony that we have today. But today we know how powerful God is. We know what God is able to do. And Peter said to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he said, go tell these things to James and to the brethren. Go tell them these things. The captivity has been taken captive by the power of God through a praying church. Go and tell the brethren these things. So I'm telling you today. The captivity has been taken captive by the power of God through a praying church. I have to believe as I read this passage of scripture, had they not gathered to pray, history would be different. And if we choose not to pray in our generation, 
I dare say history will be different. We have, as I've told you before, a very short window ahead of us of mercy. We have been called to pray. God is calling the whole church across the country to pray now. His people. If my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. There's a cry now going on across the nation. Go and tell the brethren these things. May God help us. May God help us to understand who we are again. May God help us to pray again. May God help us to come to his throne, not for ourselves, but for the sake of others. May God help us to fight for our children. May God help us to stand for our high schoolers. May God help us to fight for those in our colleges. May God help us as his people to say enough is enough. We know where the power of God is. We know what the answer is to the violence in our schools. We know who God is. We know what God can do. And we know how he has chosen throughout history to do it. And so we choose now not to stand by the sidelines any longer. We choose to pray. Let the devil laugh at our prayers if he wants. But we know where the power of God is. We are of that seed. We are of that seed of Christ. He may try to bruise our heel, but we will step upon his head and cast down his imaginations, whereby he thinks he can control, deceive, and destroy a whole generation and a whole nation. Now we choose to stand. Now we choose to fight. Not everybody's going to get into this battle. Not everybody wants to hear this. Many, many of God's own people only come to church for what they can get for themselves. And when the gold mine is not open to them, they get up and they leave because they're not here to fight the fight. I'm okay with that. I'd rather, I'd rather that division than mixture. But for those who can hear, for those who can hear, if you can hear his voice in this hour, don't harden your heart. This is a moment to stand. It's a moment to fight. It's a moment to pray like we've never prayed before. It's a moment to believe God. It's a moment to cry out, Lord, give me vision. Give me spiritual understanding. It's a moment to cry out for tenacity. Help me, God, to be one of those who in our weakness come before your throne. And we see you do what only you can do. Help me to pray for my family that they be delivered from religious bondage. Help me, God, to pray and believe that you can give this generation a moment of conscience where they can turn from their sin and acknowledge one more time that you are God. Help me, Lord Jesus Christ, to believe for freedom, not only for myself, but for those I pray for. Help me to believe, God, that you once again in our generation, as you did in the days of the prophet Ezekiel, will breathe upon the slain that seem to be around their altars everywhere and raise up your church again. God, open the prison doors. Give sight to the blind. Heal the wounded in heart. Give courage and strength to the weak. Call us again to your throne and give us the power to pray. Oh God, give us the power to pray. Give us the will to pray. Give us the desire to pray. Give us the fight to pray. God, lift us out of mediocrity and bring us back into the battle again. Captivity has been taken captive. Now, I know there's some here today that say, I want to serve God, but I find myself captivated. I myself 
I'm laying on a prison bed between two soldiers and chained. And I seem to be at the will of the one who you say is defeated. But I'm telling you that as we pray, I fully believe God will set you free. I fully believe just as he did with Peter, he will do for you. Free from the pain of the past, free from present practice, free from a loathing of yourself, free from a sense of hopelessness about the future, just suddenly set free, finding the gates of the city wide open and the power of God coming into your life. You'll find yourself like Peter going to where people are and encouraging them by saying, let me tell you what God just did for me through the power of prayer. Let me tell you what God just did for my life. You'll be taken out of cowardice. You'll be given a love for people that will cause your mouth to open in all the places that God sends you to. Whether they mock, it doesn't matter. They ridicule you, it doesn't matter. Whether they threaten you, it doesn't matter. You and I are the church of the living God. We are sent into this world as an extension of the victory of Christ, bringing people around us to freedom. And I fully believe that God intends to send an awakening to this nation, an awakening to this city. All he requires now is somebody somewhere that knows how to pray and says, God, if I, even if you don't, you say, Lord, teach me how to pray again. Bring me into your presence, God, and put faith in my heart. If it's not there, put it there, God, for I am willing to pray and willing to believe you. Go tell the brethren these things. This is the origin of the church. God through us shows strength with his arm. He scatters the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He puts down the mighty from their thrones. And he sends those who travel by their own natural strength and resources away empty. This is what I'm praying for now for this generation. How many school shootings is it going to take before we pray? For our children. Yes, we're reaping the foolishness of putting God out of our school system, of not teaching the biblical definition of right and wrong and talking about heaven and hell and eternity. But there's a time in the church of Jesus Christ where you and I say enough is enough and we begin to cry out to God again for the sake of our children. Even Nehemiah, when he came to rebuild the wall, said, listen, we're not fighting for ourselves. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your children. Fight for your families. And he's talking about a spiritual fight, not a physical one, a spiritual fight, the kind of a fight that so many in our generation have lost touch with, the kind of a fight that goes to the prayer meeting, lays a hold of the hem of the garment of Christ and says, I'm not letting you go until you answer my prayer, the kind of a fight that knocks on the door of heaven and says, I know you have the bread and this is a dark time. And I need the resource that you have to feed the people that are gathered around me, that kind of a fight. And it starts with getting up, going forward, trusting God for a covering for our failings that he is more than willing to give us, trusting him for the power to be the people that he's called us to be, trusting him for the miraculous in each of our lives. This is who we are in Christ. This is what God is calling us to in this generation. There might be some here this morning, you don't believe me now, but give it three years, you will. You will. If we don't take this moment, there's a darkness awaiting us on the other side of this open window that is fearful. 
If we don't pray now, we will pray then. I encourage you with all of my heart. I've heard something from the Lord, folks. You understand? I'm not making this up. I've heard from God. We have a window. We have a window if we will pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, with all of my heart for this morning. I thank you, Lord, for your presence. I thank you for your calling that you've placed on this church. I thank you for the touch of heaven, Lord, that you placed in my soul. I ask you, Lord Jesus Christ, for your people, God, that you will open the prison doors to those who want to serve you. You will set people free. I ask you, Father God, in Jesus' name, that all false religious covering would be cursed and cast into the sea and that we would come into a genuine, true relationship with the living God. I ask you, Lord, for spiritual authority that we can stand against the powers of darkness that have surrounded our society and are threatening to take us into captivity and an unspeakable darkness. For our home's sake, for our family's sake, for our children's sake, oh God, oh God, help us again to pray. Help us, Lord Jesus Christ, to put into action what we know is true. Give us an empowerment of the Holy Spirit. God, I thank you with all of my heart this morning. Oh, Lord Jesus Christ, stir your church. Stir your church nationwide. Stir your people. Visit those who don't fully know you yet. Stop this society on its insane march to hell. God Almighty, bring light to those who live in darkness and give strength to those, Lord, who don't yet know who they are as the church of Jesus Christ. And I thank you for it with all my heart. In Jesus' name. I'm going to give an altar call this morning for people who want to pray. You might say, I don't fully understand it, but I want to. I see it in the scriptures. And I'm going to ask the Lord today to put a spirit of boldness on me that I may begin to pray. I'm going to ask for people who need freedom today. You're in a prison yourself and you need freedom. I believe, I believe that God will set you free this morning. I do with all my heart. The effects of whatever it is that you have been associated with or are doing or whatever has captivated you and has you bound, I'm going to believe that supernaturally, supernaturally. You don't, need a, you don't need six years of counseling to get out of this thing. Supernaturally, God is going to set you free. I believe that with all of my heart. It's time now to pray. It's time to believe God. And when we stand, if you're among those who want to pray or you're among those who say, God... I would love to pray, but I myself have to get out of prison now. I myself have to get out of a practice, a relationship, a self-view, whatever it is that's got you, a pain that you can't distance yourself from, whatever your situation is. I have a feeling in my heart that God is going to set you free this morning. And we're going to believe God for that freedom. And he's going to show you the power of prayer, show it to you this morning. If you have the courage to get out of your seat and come down and meet me here at the front, I want you to.
to be free. Lord, you get no glory from a bound church. You get no glory, Lord, when we are living in prisons and our lives are no testimony to you. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, as a people, Lord, we lift our hands to you. As a people, Lord, we confess again our need of you. As a people, Lord, we're sorry, Lord, for our neglect of you. We're sorry, Lord, for the amount of unbelief, God, that has gotten into our hearts. We're sorry for the amount of false covering that we have embraced. We're sorry, Lord, that we've not fought the fight of faith the way it's supposed to be fought. That we've focused on ourselves as a, as a people. And many times not even been concerned about our children. But Lord, this day, this day, Lord, as you break the chains from our hands, as you heal our wounded hearts, Lord, as, as you deliver us from captivity, we stand before you as a people ready to fight the fight of faith in the prayer room where you call us to be, Lord. And so God, in Jesus' name, I come against every captivity in every life that's represented here. Addictions and pain, relationships, self-loathing, all of these things that so many become addicted to and captivated by, I stand against it in Jesus' name. And I declare to you, that Christ has died to set you free. He took your captivity captive. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you for the victory of the cross. The victory of the cross, Lord. We proclaim it. We proclaim it. That Jesus, you crossed the devil's head who thought he could dominate us. Dominate the church of Jesus Christ. We stand in victory with our Savior who put his foot upon the head of the devil. God, we thank you, Lord. I thank you for freedom and victory right now. From practice, freedom, Lord. From captivity, freedom, freedom. From every weapon of hell that has been formed against us. And God, as a people, Lord, we're not strong in ourselves. But we have confidence in you, Lord. And we believe in your covering. We believe, Lord God, that you've called us to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And you told us that nothing would by any means hurt us. We believe you, Lord, when you said that we could move mountains. We believe you. God, when you show us in the scripture that whole parades of hell can be stopped and people can be brought to an awareness of their need of you, Lord. We believe it, God, with all of our heart. Lord, we stand here as a people ready to pray, a people ready to call out to you, a people given to the work of God. Oh, Lord, give us a new heart for this, Lord. Give us a heart that looks away from our own needs all the time and begins to focus on the needs of others. Give us a heart, Lord, not just always looking for our own safety, but the safety of our children, God, the safety of the society around us. Give us a heart of compassion as Elisha had for even his enemies. He showed compassion and fed them and said them, sent them home to their own master to consider their ways. Give us that kind of a heart. Deliver us, God, from everything else, Lord, that would want to occupy our thoughts and our time. Help us to pray. I, I lift this church up to you, Lord. God, you've given us a great commission at this time. And I ask, Lord, that we would be honorable in it, O oh God, and do it according to your will. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus Christ, 
for a free people. Thank you for a free people, Lord. God, we really are a captivated generation. But Lord, you rose from the dead and took our captivity captive. And we believe that. And your word says you gave gifts unto men. So Lord, I pray for giftings of the Holy Spirit to be given right now as we pray. Right now. Right now, Lord, as we pray. Right now. Gifts of faith. Gifts of faith to be given to people. Words of knowledge. Words of wisdom. Giftings. God, to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Gifts of strength that can only come from God. Lord, just open our hearts to what you want to give us. As Paul said, that our eyes might be open, that we might have the understanding of who we are as the body of Jesus Christ. The incredible power that's available to us as we look to you. So, Lord, thank you, God. Thank you. I ask you at this altar, Lord, that you would raise up prayer warriors from the, from the weakest saints that are here at this altar. There be prayer warriors, mighty, mighty prayer warriors in God. I ask you, Lord, for callings, giftings of the Spirit, callings in the body of Christ. I ask you, God, to raise up mighty men and women of God, mighty men and women of God, just like you did in David's cave. They came in distressed and dead and discontent, but they walked out mighty in God, mighty in God, able to do exploits in the name of the Lord. Oh God, let nobody here consider their own weaknesses, Father, for it's not in our strength the victory is won. It's in yours. Let faith come into every heart. Every heart, Lord. Let faith literally swallow us, oh God. Give us courage and grace to face this moment, Lord. God, I thank you. Thank you with all of my heart. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.